pomegranates. Pomegranates? So I was, uh, I used to live in Seattle and I was at a, a local... Not to brag. Not to brag. Um, and I was at a local like kind of community fair of some sort. Um, it wasn't a big fair, but it was a little community fair of some sort. And uh, I walked upon, uh, they had different uh, vendors and stands and things. And there were free samples of some uh, new beverage that was being launched called Palm Juice. Mm. Uh, and this is the first I'd ever encountered this. You ever heard of Palm Juice? Palm Juice, right? Yeah, Palm. 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 Right, you know what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I thought you were saying you never heard of it. No. Oh, you had heard of it. <laughs> oh, my God. So you've never seen this before? Edit that piece out. Yeah, okay. obviously. So I, I, so I came up on this palm juice, and they were giving out free samples. I'm like, oh, this is great. And it was yeah. advertised as super healthy for your heart sure. and oxidizing and all these. One might even say wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, that was it. Palm wonderful. And all these things that it, it had all the right buzzwords that sounded scientific enough, yeah. health and wellness enough, uh-huh. uh, and uh, without being hippy dippy right right not have still not, still consumer friendly still still consumer friendly um uh but also i think just this edge of like fda approval of what are the claims <laughs> the, you're yeah making. The, these claims have not been approved by the fda right but like but it was the brand and i remember but, you oh, know, is, it makes it, you feel good yeah fix it it's it's the uh it's the illusion or it's the theater of uh, we don't know it doesn't help right right um and then uh so i was like oh this is delicious and this is great and and i would and, and and occasionally I would get and they they the the they came in these really fun containers yep. right they were like the fun shape almost pomegranate shaped containers you, actually I um I don't really know what a pomegranate looks like <laughs> the actual fruit uh, I've had no I've had you've had them have I've you had, had real pomegranate like not in juice form I've right had, have you you've pomegranate seeds for I've example I've had pomegranate seeds and I've actually have been with people who have cut open a pomegranate and mm-hmm. eat, and and I still who, who are these magical people. <laughs> But so I still don't think I could pick a pomegranate out of a lineup. Okay. And that's on me. Yeah. That's on me. That's a... That's it's your a, fruit ignorance. That's my fruit ignorance. <laughs> uh, uh, I, one of the reasons this is the topic is because we have two pomegranates in the house. Uh, we just, just... You let them loose? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just... We thought it was time. Yeah. Uh, and... And that's... This isn't shorthand for what you call your kids. <laughs> yeah. The six-year-old pomegranate and the two-year-old pomegranate. Yeah. Uh, and we, you know, we, my wife bought them and, uh, you know, you cut them open. There's a lot of, there's the seeds on the inside. So you sure. can get the seeds out and eat the seeds. Uh, I sw- assume you could squeeze them for juice, but there's a lot of, um, like tissue, like kind of yeah. a, like a white meaty tissue. And it's like, it's the same consistency as snot. Nope. As the, it's not, it's, it's definitely snot. Uh, it's the same consistency as the, like the in-between part of a grapefruit. Or, you know, oh, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's that kind of tough, fibrous stuff. Uh, and it's interesting to think that, like, we've gotten so spoiled by um, these cartoonish versions of fruit where it's so sweet. It's like... It's the starburst so, version of yeah, fruit. Yeah, it's starburst. It's it's so easy to peel. It's so sweet. It's so delicious. It's so juicy. There's so little, like, extraneous. You know, we have these easy-to-peel oranges now where it's like the peel just falls off and it's basically just this delicious ball of yeah. delicious orange. I find those appealing. They are... Aren't you glad I said that? I knew you'd wedge that one in there. Yeah. But uh, this pomegranate, and I'm sure this is a, uh, you know, uh, well, well-bred pomegranate uh, is... Is still kind of like kind of a well, pain in the like, ass. Like good parents. Yeah. Like well. Yeah. Actually, yeah. over yeah. generations. Yeah. The, yeah. They've literally been selected for They're that. Good stock. Uh, but it's it's kind of funny. You peel it open. It's still kind of a pain in the ass to like scrape all the seeds out and get get everything out. But that's I mean that's how it works. I was like, I wonder how many people have like more people have had Palm Wonderful juice than have ever seen a pomegranate before. I think that's right. Yeah. All right. This was a fruitful conversation. But mm-hmm. what's the next topic? <laughs> Recycling. 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 Reduce, reuse. Recycle. Recycle. Now, are we talking about recycling in the material waste uh, uh, sense or in the... What's the other sense? Like recycling a joke, recycling a pun. I feel like those recycling are... Recycling an anecdote, re- the, recycling the, the, a story. That's a, re- that's, a, that's a recycling of the term. <laughs> I don't think recycling a joke... I think that's a reuse of the term. Uh, is it? Oh, because you're... In, it's, it's, a, a, it's, it's sort a, of a side. Yeah, it's a it's reapplication. An adi- it's of the an term. adaptation of the term. Sure. So I'm, I'm interested in the original recycling, material recycling, material recycling. That's right. Recycling. Um, well, I do like the. the I, I like that recycling is the third in line here. Yeah. Of uh, the reduce, reuse, recycle. So reduce. Why is, does the order? 
Go ahead. I think the matter, the order matters. The matter orders. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I think the, I think the order matters because reduce is first. So it's like first, like let's first do no harm. Right. Okay. First, right. reduce the amount of materials. All things being equal, use yeah. less material. Use use fewer materials. Uh, use less stuff. Right. Um, so, uh, don't bring in stuff so that you don't have to deal with what you're doing with it going out. Got it. Because the reusing and the recycling are talking about the things we've already used. Right. So if you can re- reduce what comes in, right. you don't need to worry about the latter two. Right. Right. Okay. So before you, if you have a, a carton of milk that yeah. is spilled, yeah. um, uh, turn the carton right side up to stop the spilling happening <laughs> yeah. okay. before you start figuring out how do we mop up this milk yeah. or what do we do with the spilled milk yeah. besides cry over it. So reduce I like as the first one. Then mm-hmm. reuse it's fine. You know, it's good. So it's also th- re- reuse is also related to reduce. Because if you think about reduce, it's well, you're thinking about be conscious and bring whatever you're going to be bringing in and consuming, have intention around that. Mm-hmm. So that means don't just mindlessly bring in and consume things, right. but be thoughtful about what you're going to be bringing in and consuming. And, and maybe with an eye towards things that are have a lifespan that can be reused. It right. reminds me of, um, you know who Alton Brown is? He's no. a, he's a uh, writer and television uh, personality around cooking. You, you would recognize him. And, don't tell me who uh, I'd recognize. You would, you would recognize him. Don't, and, don't, and, uh, don't reuse that line. He, no, you would recognize him. Uh, he's, anyway, he, he, wrote a, he wrote a series of popular cooking books uh, in kind of, kind of like the mid-2000s. And one of his um, rules, so to speak, was no, no unitaskers. No, no tools in the kitchen that had one job oh. where it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a unique specialized, you know, it's a, this is a honeydew melon holder, right? It's, or, or whatever. Yeah. It's just some, something where it's like, this you had one job. Yeah. Well, so, and he said, the problem is you're going to end up with a, a junk drawer full of whatever the, you know, all these diverse things, none of which you're going to use most of the time. There's he said, better to get like one good knife and a spatula and like these tools where you can use them all the time for all sorts of things. Right. And to me, the, the idea of what you're talking about is expanding that principle where it's like, don't have unitaskers in your life, have right. things that are broadly applicable to thing. You know, it's like, even if you have a, um, you should have things that are maybe unitaskers for tasks that are particularly important to you. Right. And to have the objects in your life be, be intentional. Um, yeah, I think, and you, you're the one that introduced me to the subreddit of buy it for life. Right. Uh, and this idea of if you're going to invest in certain things and certain mm-hmm. key items that are of essential, uh, of, uh, of, 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 <laughs> of essence <laughs> that are essential, uh, that you want to make sure that you get the ones that are going to be the highest quality and the longest right. lasting, the ones that, you know, that, that will serve their purpose well. Well, and it gets away from this, um, one thing I think a lot about is like this idea of like capitalism and corporations are amoral. There's no morality built into their structure. They're sort of these sort of like organisms, you know, they're like wild animals. And so like a wild, an- you know, a, a tiger is just being a tiger. They right. don't think about the morality of, of killing another animal, right? Or like the scorpion and the toad. Yeah. It's the scorpion and the toad. They're just, they're just, they're just being their, their nature. So it's the nature of a corporation to, um, to make itself, to, to make itself, successful or profitable to grow and so on. And so something like planned obsolescence or deliberately degrading your products a a certain amount is logical from the point of view of a corporation, but it's, it's, um, anti-human. It's, 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 it's bad. I don't want to say it's morally bad, although it may be, it's bad for the human experience. Right. Well, it's, it, it might be, um, uh, well, I don't know if we want to talk about externalities, but it's like an ex, it it produces an externality. Uh, the, the costs, that are being incurred by this planned obsolescence are not borne by you as an right. organization. So you have two scenarios, one where they did make it better and one where they didn't. And let's assume they even passed on their additional costs of making it better. But in the in the version where it's not as good and they have to and, and a person has to replace whatever the object is, their net profits go up or maybe even their short-term profits go up or whatever. What you know, the the number the the but it's a unnecessary um, consumption of resources, additional consumption of resources. And that's the thing I have a problem with. You know, I like, um, this is just a personal preference. I like things that are good and tend to last. And, um, yet we have the incentives are not always the case, you know, to aligned with that. Hmm. And so like, for example, you have this pattern where, uh, private equity companies will purchase well-known brands commonly that are well-known for their quality. And this is a sort of earned, uh, brand reputation. 
but maybe the company itself is struggling for whatever reason, right? Just because you know business hard and things have changed and so on. And so then they purchase the brand, and then integrate it into you know either they you know the the most cynical version of this is they purchase the brand, basically strip it for parts, and then replace all their like. Uh, it's sort of purchase the brand uh, and actually have it go bankrupt in some way so they can fire all their workers and then hire back contract workers for much cheaper. So that's one move, but that's not what I'm talking about. Some kind of version of it. I'm talking about the thing where like, um, you know, uh, Dodge Chrysler and Plymouth are all the same brand, right? But they're just different price points. Uh, And so all of the cars being produced for Dodge and for Chrysler and for Plymouth are all being produced in the same factory. Mm -hmm. And there there are superficial differences um, for the different brands. You can do the same thing for like, you know, uh, clothing brands or... or, uh, yeah, Old Navy, Gap, and Banana Republic. Right, can yeah. all be p- produced in the same way. Um, and so the cynical version is you buy a well-known brand, but then you just integrate it into your sort of like Chinese-based uh, omni-production facility, and you just put this you know brand A versus brand B uh, sticker on it, right? That's the most cynical way. But the other way, the more nuanced way of doing it is you don't get rid of the factory because the factory produces fantastic uh, photos for the website. You don't fire everybody because you want to say made in USA, Mm. right? But what you do is you squeeze everything, Mm. right? You squeeze the um, quality down from being like healthily above what's the minimum standards to being right at the minimum standards, Mm. right? You do do the, the sort of cynical MBA math on the operations of the company and, you know, basically um squeeze the quality and the margins and so on to get the most out of it because you because the the brand equity is so valuable right that you're gonna it's like you want to cash out of that brand cash equity. out that brand equity that's that, right because maybe you'll be depleting it. it over time nope. but while the while you're depleting it you're making great yeah returns so so it's as if you know you bought a property that has a certain amount of equity in it and then you're going to immediately borrow against that equity right yeah. that's effectively what we're doing here because it's like oh those those knives that that, that well-known knife maker made those bags that that well-known bag maker made those boots that that well-known boot maker made maybe they used to be like a nine out of 10 on the quality scale and now they're an eight that's still better than most by far but they're an eight yeah they're not a nine and then maybe they're a seven and like they see their profits go down but like they're half as much to make so they might have like increased profits overall. So from a purely financial point of view, that's great. But now this level nine manufacturer doesn't exist anymore. Right. And, you know, anybody can be a five. So, you know. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it makes me sad um, to see sort of a natural trend away from quality. And it also makes me furthermore appreciate any brand, any company that can consistently deliver on something that's high quality. And mm. that's something that, you know, um, even actually, I was, I, was, I was about to say that's something I think that, you know, Apple products, broadly speaking, are, have very high manufacturing quality. But I was just reading about um, how they've changed a lot of the Apple Genius um, and, and Apple Store Genius Bar workflows. So that it used to be that the geniuses were highly trained um, probably overqualified, and every single one of them was flown out to Cupertino for training. Oh wow! And all of, and most of the repairs happened in shop. And now, since then, it's basically changed. Where if you're hired as a genius, uh, the the rates you're, are lower. You're just you're just a little smart. Well, <laughs> you're maybe above average. Let's ignore that term. Uh, you're qualified. They don't pay as much. You learn via you know video instructions. You don't get flown out to Cupertino. And most Better of carbon the, footprint. Uh, um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but most of the um, repairs are you're be, it's being sent out to a central repair facility. Mm. So they've specialized. Sure. And that's normal. Like that's, that's the like normal. That's, co- it's optimizing. You're for, optimizing the process. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but so, it, it's like. So the quality. Uh, yeah. So so getting back to. But that's just reduce. That's just re- well. That's, sorry, reuse. That reuse. That that's reuse. reuse. And right. so it's it's reduce the intake. Yeah. Uh, to only to the, the what you actually need and have intentionality about what you are consuming. Right. Reuse <clears throat> as much as possible. So try to get the most use out of have, something. Have have a quality not, whatever you know, it not is. Fast fashion. Yeah. And not, it doesn't have to be the best disposable, of all time. Single use plastic. Right. Whatever. Just have something that is is good high quality that can be reused. Right. Uh, and then you get to the, and that's why I think it's and then if you must have something that you have intention about consuming uh, that can't be reused or you've reused it to its uh, you know, natural ability to be reused, then if you must, try to have it re-recycled. Right. So uh, what do you think about that? That's the topic. 
Is that the topic? Just so we, <laughs> we clear the, the table, uh, <laughs> set the table for what the topic is going to be. Um, so, and it, there, there is this, this, I think you might have sent me this link, and a couple people have sent me this link uh, that I didn't actually read, um, but a couple people have told me about it enough. Because so you I, kept talking about this idea and then somebody did it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this idea that I've had for years. Uh, for years. I, to, to, be, to your credit, you 100% had this idea. Have you, have you, you had heard me tell yes. this idea? We've, had an, we've talked about it on an episode of this podcast. I don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Trust me. It's been covered. Okay. And? And? Um, and, 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 and so finally, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that somebody's doing it. Like, like, like the idea, I remember, so growing up, my, my, my uh, mom had as like decor in our family room um, uh, a milk Bottle, uh, milk bottles, mm. uh, like a, a wire framed, a wire container, like that can hold six jars of milk glasses. Mil- okay. milk, milk, like, yeah. And it was like an antique that was like kind of, you know, kitschy in a way, but uh, it was like decor. And, it, and I think it really was hers from a hmm. child or something like that. But when they used to have be the milk man right. or person, I think actually, but they call it a man, milk man. Because would, it was a man. Because it was a man probably almost exclusively. Although I would like to know the history of the milkman and whether uh, there was like the kind of like a league of their own, you know, like <laughs> there, if there the, was like the gender bending. Yeah. Milk, or, or, milk, or, or during them tells the milkman. Yeah. Or during world war two, there were, right. you know, all the milkmen had been shipped off to, to Europe to fight uh-huh. the Nazis. And so we needed an army of uh, milk women or ladies yeah. or milkmaids, milkmaids. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, and so th- I love the, and that as a kid, that captured my imagination of, uh, oh wait, I mean, so somebody would come with these same bottles and deliver them each, to, you know, each week or whatever the frequency was. And then they'd pick up the yeah. empty ones and then take them. And it was just a beautiful loop and there was no single use plastic. There was no, right. you know, as a kid we had it's the Uber the, for milk. Yeah. Those, those, those clear plastic, you know, gallons. Of, right. Uh, and I think you know, we did recycling as a, you know, family growing up somewhat, but not you know, I think it was, it was like the, the early, 80s. it was the eighties. So, yeah. And so I think we threw out a lot of those and, you know, so it's how wasteful and that's just milk. But if you think about toothpaste, if you think about shampoo, if you think about all the things we use that come out of single use containers, mm-hmm. and then I get a lot of things delivered via Amazon. So it's not only do I get things delivered in these, you know, cardboard boxes with, you know, uh, air pop right. plastic containers around them, and then they are themselves single-use uh, materials in it. And so, some you know, the cardboard gets recycled. That's great, and to some degree, although I think it's still a environmental you know, uh, drain, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have still have the packaging material that generally doesn't get recycled. It's right. it's, it's single-use stuff. And then I have the whatever the stuff is that's containing, it. and then most of that stuff gets thrown out. And right. if you had a reusable container to ship things right that then have the items that you need that contain the things you need like toothpaste or soap or food or or, or beverages or what have you um that can then be refilled mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis how amazing would that be that'd be amazing so i don't i i, I think it's going to take you know uh, complex logistics it's mm-hmm. going to take uh complex supply chain to work this out it's also going to take i think uh a mind shift or a uh, a cultural shift yeah. in people's consumption habits, and also understanding what are the price points here. How do you make the economics work, and how do you get people uh, comfortable with? Oh, wait a minute is is it going to be my own? My is it going to be my own tube that's going to be refilled, or am I just going to get a stranger's tube yeah, that's but been I, recycled? I, I think that is a. I used to think that was more of a hurdle than I think it is than I now think that it is. In other words, the if it comes to you and it's the same every time and it feels new, I think that's enough. Yeah. Like, you know, you, whatever it is, your toothpaste tube. And it's like, yeah, these are our reusable toothpaste tubes. But it's like, yeah, we take them and we we sterilize them and fill them, refill them with toothpaste. And it's like, okay. Like, if you can't tell the difference, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, when you go to the yoga studio and you don't have your mat and you use one of their mats, yeah. it's like, or you go to the bowling alley. Right. And it's like, have they, you know, but, okay, they, they but, sprayed out the... the so the, let's use that as an example. Yeah. What if the yoga mat was, you know, uh, housed in their UV sterilization tube and when you took it out, it smelled like fresh laundry? Like, you would have the experience of, yeah. oh, this is just fresh for, yeah, for I guess me. I use the, the fresh towels that right. my studio provides. So that's a perfect yeah. example, right? Like, the towels have been used hundreds of times by hundreds of people. But they went through a wash, that, you know, that, yeah. so, so you're fine. And what's interesting, I read this article from a biologist who is doing a study of, like, what actually kills germs on clothing. 
Because she was like, well, you know, we wash our clothes and we're like, you just kind of assume they're clean. But she's mm. like, are they actually clean? Like if you have some real like funk on them, right? So she's a biologist. She knows how to do experiments, Petri dish and incubator and all that kind of stuff. And so she tried lots of different things like normal wash cycle, cold wash cycle, more detergent, no detergent, you know, hot water, boiling water, all the different things. And it turns out that most of the ways we wash our clothes do not kill or remove much of the bacteria. It's some... It's enough. It, it removes dirt. It adds fragrance. Yeah. It makes them feel clean. Um, it refresh kind of refreshes the fibers, so it feels like it washed, which is great. But in terms of like their contamination, the only thing that kills that is well bleach. So that works if it's white, I guess, uh, or water that's above 165 degrees, which is to say hotter than most washing machines can produce, unless you have some kind of sanitary cycle. Um, that's what kills germs. So most of the time, and most of the time it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, because I mean, I mean, also how many germs are on? That's right. There's mo- there's germs all over the place. So general purpose germs that cover every surface is fine. But I hope those towels that at the yoga studio are being washed on hot. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. They could just be washed normal, and they have good detergent, and they smell clean, and they feel nice, and that's fine most of the time. But for anything like this, I would want there to be some kind of trustworthy process to make make it you know not only feel new and fresh but actually be clean and sterilized right, so, so the way to get to this though is we, we getting back to that word externalities like we don't we don't uh incur the costs that our single-use plastic our single-use items that's right well uh, i think the manufacturer should incur the cost well, consumers should incur the cost somehow, right? You know, well, it, it should I be embedded it would be in the price. Embed, yeah. embedded in the price. In the but price. the problem is that, you know, I, I I chafe at the knee-jerk blaming of the consumer for things when sure. yeah. when the majority when the the benefit of this wasteful behavior primarily um, goes to the manufacturer. Right, but that's an externality that the manufacturer doesn't bear. It's that's a, right. It's a social cost. It's an environmental right. And cost. So, we, so right. So, so we that's put, why I think it should be. There should you know that's my preferred method on these things. Uh, it, from a policy perspective, is more like a tax. That's right. On so you, you put a packaging tax. A, so you put example. a you know a waste tax yeah. and, on things. Yeah. Or you and, put and, and that's why carbon tax. Countries that have done this, like in Europe, I think. Uh, I thought I read somewhere that like Germany has has where or it might be Japan where the manufacturers basically have to pay a tax based on how much packaging there is uh, there is, there is for whatever the goods are. Yeah, and that, uh, and that that allows the innovation uh, right. to, to happen to say so okay, you can well, reduce your costs. Yeah, so we can, can let's get, reduce our costs to right. you know, let's not put as much material in this or let's get really innovative right. on it. Um, and because I, I don't think you can wait for consumer demand. No, for that's what I'm getting at. It's never gonna ha- like you can you can straw shame people all you want, right? But a single um, fishing company leaving nets in the ocean produces more waste than all the straws for the last 10 years. Yeah. It's absurd. And so, you know, the amount of the, the attention is just in the wrong place. If right. you go toward these, the, you know, the largest polluters, the largest, the, the ones where a change can actually make a difference. And it's at the manufacturing level, not, not necessarily at the consumer level. Although I think it's good to have consumers, um, things like you know people reusing bat like reducing for example well, or, bat like didn't I, that I Rwanda the, ban uh, they, they single ban single use bla- ba- uh, plastic pl- bags? Well, yeah, you can't bring into the country. There are no single use plastic bags of, uh, available in the country of right. Rwanda at all. And they they make an announcement as you're landing as you're flying into the country, uh, saying if you have any, they'll be you know, like they might be taken away or something. Like you have yeah. to kind of uh, so if you have your duty free bag coming from a airport from another country into mm. Rwanda that duty you can't have that duty-free bag oh, that's interesting. Uh, um, uh, of things and, and that's so Rwanda is a remarkably clean especially Kigali the capital is a remarkably clean city yeah but it's also out of choice they don't have yeah because they don't have the plastic bags um, but also you know in certain uh, countries and cities uh, have put a price not many necessarily banned plastic bags but right. put a price on them you which I think is smart and it's right I, I think that idea of you know Let's pricing externalities. Yes, exactly. That's so what you it internalize be. the externalities into right. into things, and that changes behavior. In right. A, in and a very so anytime you way. have pollution, broadly speaking, let's just you know kind of categorize this as pollution of all kinds. I feel like it needs to be priced so that the pollution that exists um, has been paid for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's not to say it can't ever exist. Packaging, plastic bags, whatever, can't ever exist. But it's like you better know what you're doing, and you better have a full, you fully accounted for its effects on others yeah. in creating whatever this and, and is. Some of these, so, and I'm, I believe a lot of these require policy solutions, not uh, waiting for 
enough of a you know groundswell of consumers to right. desire or demand these because that's very hard it's to coordinate. It's unlikely to happen. And so I think, but I do think the policy prescription should be still market based, like so a right, you know, carbon that, tax or yeah. a, a, a pollution tax or a. Uh, waste tax in some way, you know, in right. some form, and I don't know the particulars about how that, how that gets worked out. But so it's not just, oh, I don't think it should be the individual citizen virtue signaling by saying, oh, I'm composting and I'm recycling. Sure. I mean, that's great. You can do that, but it's not. That's not a. That's not a solution to the problem. That's, yeah, that's not solving our systemic problems. Yeah. All right. What's the next topic? Skiing. Skiing. Have you ever been skiing? Yeah. Really? Not for a while. Growing up. Uh, I was in the Boy Scouts of America Troop 1978. We are 1978, looking fine and feeling great, was our cheer, <laughs> in case you were wondering. And uh, we would go on... Uh, looking fine. Looking fine. Feeling great. And feeling great. We're feeling much better than we're looking. I think it was actually, we also did it as a call and response. Oh, so it's like the leader was t- like, of course. we are 1978, and then you're looking fine and feeling great. Yeah. And then we would do sound off, 19, sound off, 78, bring it all down, 1978. Bring it on down. Yeah. I, that just came to me now. I haven't thought of that. <laughs> it's in, in there. It's in there. I haven't thought of that in over 20 you years. You just opened up a box in your mental attic. Yes. Um, so we would go on, uh, annual, uh, ski trips. Uh, oh. one of our, uh, Scott masters had a ski house in deep Creek, Maryland, hmm. uh, which is just a couple hours away, uh, from where I grew up. But it was, uh, it, what was the name of it? It was called the Wisp ski, ski resort. Okay. Um, and it was, you know, it's a Maryland ski resort. So okay. just, uh, it's it, it's probably it's, what should it, I be picturing? It just not you know not it, it was all I knew for many years of yeah. what skiing was, but just not your uh, <laughs> this is not your your uh, West Purple Coast Mountains skiing. This is not yeah this is not your Tahoe skiing or your. Uh, I I must confess I I I have little bit little more than uh, you know postcards to yeah. inform what I think of as skiing. Sure. So what it, what is it? Is like is it the mountains aren't very tall? Yeah, the mountains are, it's, it's hilly. What's it's happening? Just, it's just hilly. Okay. It's just hills, and uh, so it's not really mountains by any stretch. Okay. Not, not by a long stretch. Um, I think it's. I guess it's technically. Is there a ski lift? There's there was a ski lift, but it wasn't very long. And then there's also a rope pull for the what? bunny slope. What's a rope pull? Like I think it's called a rope pull, where it's just a rope that you hold on to, mm-hmm. and the rope is just going on a loop. Oh, okay. Like so a conveyor so belt. Yeah. A, so if you hold on to it, it'll pull you up the. It'll pull oh, you up, up the hill. Yeah. Got it. And then and it's it does, it's not very long. It's uh-huh. just the bunny, uh, just for the bunny hill. Um, and I don't think I forget how how advanced it got. It Maybe one black diamond, but I don't think I ever did that. So it just wasn't very hilly, and they'd be short runs, and they did have to do. They had to make a lot of snow. Hmm. They had snowmakers, so yeah. it's very icy. I, I remember. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, um, and I remember uh, friends talking about other ski trips or other places to go skiing, and that were you know powder, fresh powder, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. We we did not have. You that. had no fresh powder, uh, but it was it was a, a very enjoyable time. Hmm. And I have, you know, how many times did you go on this kind of trip? Probably, uh, maybe four times. Let's oh, okay. Say. Okay. So like as a teenager? Yeah. We're talking. So this was, this was maybe, maybe like late junior high to high school through high school. It's prime, uh, group trip age. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was really fun, but I do remember, uh, so in the Boy Scouts, you get you earn merit badges if you, uh, and each merit badge has certain requirements, and mm-hmm. you try to check them off. And um, and it was one of uh, the dads in the in the troop who wasn't he was like a he he, he was a part time leader. He's barely involved. He was like a dad, but he wasn't he wasn't a scoutmaster or anything like that, or an assistant scoutmaster. He's just an, he's an associated adult. Yeah, and but he was very. I think easygoing, lackadaisical kind of guy, and he was the uh, the merit badge instructor. I forget what we call them for the skiing merit badge. Oh, so he's the one who would sign off if you had met the had, requirements. Had you met the requirements? Okay. And so, uh, <laughs> so we. I remember going on this uh, ski trip and not knowing how to ski, learning how to ski roughly, and what I needed to do in order to earn this merit badge was just write a one-page essay afterwards about the trip. And I think I even turned it into a short story. 
that uh, I also used for like a writing assignment for now, school. Now, just just qu- quick point of order. Yeah. This, this merit badge, the one you earned. Yeah. Was this merit badge about skiing, or was this a merit merit badge about um, true true life skiing journalism? It <laughs> it should have been for uh, for a, uh, a memoir memoir <laughs> right. writing. Is it right? Is uh, it, it was this the memoir merit, merit badge? No, it was a skiing because what I did is I used the story of going on the ski trip as a device to convey the facts and safety procedures about skiing that I learned. Right. So, okay. I so was, this, was this creative instructional writing? Yeah. So it was like, oh, as I went up the ski lift, I thought to myself, remember, and I would list like the three yeah, safety the three things, things you're yeah. supposed to do. Okay. And then when I got to the top, I, was, I, I thought to myself, okay, now I'm going to, and then however you, you know. How you're supposed to get yeah. off the ski lift. Yeah. Okay. Um, Look, that's creative, especially in a sort of uh, preteen sort of way. Yeah, I, 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 I admire that for what it is. Yeah, and he, it he just, I would expect I it to be I, like, yeah, he, but this is it. He said just write up what you learned or write up something, and I turned uh, into a short story. Okay, and that accepted it, and I got a very cool merit badge out of it. So, so I, I have no doubt that the merit badge was was very cool. It is. Uh, I probably still it I, is and was. Do you have all your scout paraphernalia? I so I imagine <sighs> it being in a Rubbermaid box in your parents' house somewhere. Uh, that's. Uh, not far off. Uh, I do believe, so my mother, when I, uh, when I earned my Eagle Scout Court of Honor, she, uh, put it, all the badges and stuff into a framed glass box. Okay. Um, how many badges would that be? So I don't remember actually. Well, I'm like, I'm guessing more than 10. Yeah, but it, is, is, it, is, is it like a hundred? No, okay. it's, it's, it's under 30. Oh, it's under 30. I, I, I can't. For some reason, I'm imagining like, you know, an, an entire boy, uh, Boy Scout career of merit badges. Just, you know. Well, I mean, the merit badges are one thing, but then there's, it's the, you're trying to move up the ranks. And there's, the, you had in the back of the Boy Scout manual handbook, um, there's all the different requirements for each, and there's a page of requirements for each rank to move up. Hmm. And you'd have to get an adult's initials that you did each one. And some of those requirements were earn, uh, so many merit badges, and then there were always like required merit badges, and then but part of it was like the count of merit badges. Yeah. Okay. And so you had to have, you know, I'm making, I have no idea that we're really mm-hmm. testing my memory now, but you had to have like, you know, these four required merit badges is and, and another three optional ones. Got it. Um, and there were very, uh, I remember there were like some really inter- interesting, like far out there merit badges, but you'd have to find somebody who could be uh, an instructor for them and that was sometimes ah, okay. hard so it'd be hard to get find the you know basket weaving if you couldn't find someone who knew how to weave baskets are you kidding me basket weaving was one of the easiest ones to find because we did that at scout camp <laughs> but that was that was a gimme obviously yeah. I, uh, what a fool i am yeah um and and so you'd put these merit patches on your sash mm-hmm. and you'd wear the sash mm-hmm. diagonally across and it it was something was um badge sewing the first the first one you had to earn oh no my mom did that (laughs) (laughs) i still i still have no idea sash wearing i mean sash wearing is something that came naturally (laughs) (laughs) uh and brian you're surprisingly good at this this very specific part of being a boy scout that should have been their first sign (laughs) he really knows how to work that sash Uh, but I do remember, uh, I don't think I ever wore the right, like the right pants. And I remember feeling self-conscious about like, it was shorts. Well, shorts and pants sometimes in okay. the winter for court of honors, which is when you'd have ceremonies to, uh, to give out the merit badges or to give out the new ranks. And they're very formal, very, you know, uh, very special. And I think for all those, I'd always be wearing like slightly off, off color, off brand, off fitting, versions of like bad khaki pants you know and i never had the right so they're ones. not like an official boy scout brand khaki pants did they just say like oh you should wear khakis I, actually so i think there is but like you but my mom never got those for me okay just i don't know why no it, look that's the that that's that's the uh, tack i can imagine my parents taking it's like oh we're not going to get the name brand stuff we'll get yeah. these other ones they're just as good and they're half price yeah you had to go there's a certain i think it was like a certain jc penny yeah in a certain mall okay that wasn't like the the mall near us, or even the the next mall. It not, was like not the one that's doing good. Uh, no, well, it might even be the one that's doing. I don't know. But there was the, you could only. They, but a certain J C Penny was did sell the Boy Scout paraphernalia you, you would need, hmm. and 
uh, like the shirts, and I think they did sell pants, but maybe those were the pants were too expensive, so I had to get the, you know, the I don't know the the, the Sears versions of uh, they, of the they, of the pants. They sell them by the inch. Like, what do you mean? I can only afford the shorts. No, I, I don't. I, I I've, just, got, I've got the <laughs> I've got from the knees down on a payment plan. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it was that. It was just it was just at the the wrong price point for what uh so for what my mom wanted to spend. I guess at the time I don't remember. Right. I don't know. I have to to talk to my parents about this. But um, there's no way they remember. My mom. My mom might. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but all that said, I really like the idea of like I really had a good time in Boy Scouts. I okay. really enjoyed the experience. I learned a lot. I liked. Um, I learned a lot like hard skills of you know, sure. all those merit badges, <laughs> but also <laughs> learned a lot about uh, working in a team and you know working with peers and working with adults and how do you communicate and yeah um, I always liked anything any structure where you could sort of get out of the traditional um, adult child dynamic of like teacher you know parents and, and and children teachers and students where it's like there's adults who are in charge there's a group of kids who all have to be wrangled and kids are very familiar with the, that dynamic and it creates certain sort of like necessary expectations. But for example, I, I, you know, one of my fondest memories was being in this, um, sort of, you know, amateur, uh, play slash musical that the church put on, um, just for, for the audience of, of fellow people in the church. Right. It was like a, like a Wednesday, Wednesday night thing. Right. And they cast the members of this, of this, um, play musical thing and there was one role for uh the son of this family right it was like this nuclear family and then the 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 i forget what it's called but the the premise of this uh of this play is it's like you have this family where some stuff happens and they're listening to the radio and on the radio are songs and and other things that happen so the choir plays like it, imagine a set where half the set is the living room of this family and the other half is the the choir assembled you know like they're in the radio station right so that's the play the point being what one of my favorite memories is the rehearsals for this play because it was a rehearsals of mostly adults right it was mm. like you know some of all the different ages and i was like one of you know i was probably like the youngest kid at 13 or 14 or however old I was. And there were a couple college student age people. And then there's just a bunch of adults. And so it had a very like adults vibe. Like mm. they weren't catering to children. And I like that a lot because it was just like, Oh, I was just kind of expected to behave myself and participate and so on. Um, and so when I think about like boy scouts, one of the things that I think that I, that I imagine that would be attractive about that is like you are out in the wilderness or, um, trying to accomplish some goal together. And it's not quite like there's a certain expectation that you can get, get beyond the lowest common denominator of a classroom. Mm. And instead it's like this mix of different ages, adults in different capacities. It's a little bit closer to, you know, what I would have called like real life, but really it's just like not that parent to, or, you know, adult to kid dynamic. Yeah. And I, I think I, I did enjoy that about, Boy Scouts in particular is just we especially when you'd go uh, on backpacking trips or, uh -huh. or camping trips. Um, it was yes, it's kids and adults, but we're all kind of in this together. That yeah, that's what I'm getting at. There's a there's something about your environment that's creating a level playing field. Yeah, that it doesn't it's, exist it's, in it's, the structured. Well, like, in the school, in, in a classroom, it's man versus man it's it's, it's kid versus teacher uh -huh. right and it's a it's this in this environment it's right it's us versus you it's, it's adversarial yeah um in 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 uh in a in the play it's it's uh man versus nature in a way right that's like, right it's, it's we, you are, we are the, all trying to get to rehearse this thing because of the the expectation that there's a show coming yeah so it, it's the troop of actors right regardless of age right are coming, co together coming together for this to goal. put on the show right and when you're on a camping trip or a backpacking trip it's it is man versus nature, Literal so, nature it, right. so we're all together we're all on the, and you yes. know if it's raining and we have to set up our, our we're all tents in the same rain and we have to cook our dinner and cook the fire right. and start the fire all those kind of things it's we all have to do it together and right. um and there's something I, I i think really valuable about that um and that's that's why i like skiing <laughs> oh. do you know um the last time i went skiing was probably a little over 10 years ago maybe we, it was the four of us for we i forget and it was super fun it oh was yeah actually, and uh but it was my first time skiing in 
a couple of years at that point. And uh, like I remember Annette, because she's a good Norwegian that she is, like super, she's like, you know, just yeah. advanced and e- easy. And I think Matt and I were rough, I, I, for, I forget, but I think we were roughly the same. Um, and then Julie, uh, we were just gotten off the chairlift and she uh, skied a little bit and then she like fell down like into a ditch kind of like, but just like, it was a silly fall. It wasn't a, it didn't seem serious. It seemed weird. It was just literally right off the chairlift and like just she plopped before we got to the top of the actual hill to go down. She like, okay. and, um, and I remember taking a picture of her, I think too, of our, I, I, for some reason I have a memory of it. it. turns out like she really hurt and we were kind of laughing. Um, and she really hurt her knee. Oh no. And she had to get ski patrol down the mountain and she was in the like, infirmary for some time oh, and geez. then she never came back out like and we, we end up you know meeting up with her and and having drinks or whatever and then going home and we had dinner and okay. we all went home so she was kind of fine but she ended up having um to have surgery later oh my god like it really was it turned into like a whole thing <laughs> yeah um that is something interesting about skiing that exists where it's like it's simultaneously this um, glamorous activity that can kind of be done wearing whatever, you know, a, a nice sweater, depending <laughs> on the weather or whatever, right? And it's a potentially deadly activity. Yeah, Sonny <laughs> Bono. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and kind of everything in between. Like, it's, it's very common for people to injure themselves both moderately and seriously. Uh, I don't I guess it, it kind of, it, it's similar to swimming in that way, like, or the ocean, where it's like, you know, most of the time it's fine, but it's not uncommon for people to, for it to be hazardous. Yeah, we, we have a, a good friend who uh, had a very serious, about two or three years ago, had a very serious ski accident and like broke his neck and things. And it was like very, I mean, like, like really bad. And he's, he's kind of recovered now and I think he's back to skiing. Um, but it was, it was one of those like, ooh, like yeah. very serious uh, and very serious recovery. Um, and, but it is one of those, like that's part of the exhilaration, right? Is that it's, you're one with nature, you're swooping, you're um, swooping. Is that uh, what one does? No. They swoop? Was that, there are a couple good, I feel like classic 80s and 90s like ski movies, like Ski Patrol. Uh, I mean, it does like feel like stupid, a 90s, like, stu- yeah. Like a lot of like stupid, like college right. prankster kind of. Speaking uh, of stupid uh, 80s movies. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I watched or began watching Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yeah. It's on at HBO, or at least it was when we were watching it. And we were like, oh, this is, this, is a cla- this, 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 this is a classic dumb movie that has a lot of mind share compared to other movies of its time. So we were like, oh, let's, let's check this out, right? Uh, and it's interesting to just kind of see all the choices the filmmakers made. Bernie doesn't die until halfway through the movie. The premise of the movie, the thing that we all remember, which is like, okay, they've got to pretend like this dead guy is alive the whole time. They spend half the movie setting that up. And I couldn't help but feel like, okay, as as interesting as these characters and this scenario and all whatever, all this stuff that's happening is, you could do a version of this movie where Bernie dies before the end of the first act. Mm. Like, that, that should be the end of the first act, not the midpoint of the movie. No, why... Um, I... I forget the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I know I saw it. I, I mean, believe I saw it. Unless I, I feel like most people <laughs> with a broad knowledge of pop culture have convinced themselves that they've seen it regardless of whether right. that ever actually happened. But why did they need to pretend that he was still alive? To be honest, uh, we stopped watching the movie because we were tired and it was late. Uh, didn't get to that part. <laughs> I, I, don't you, ha- you, I don't know. You, did you get to the part where he died? Yeah. We know he died. We don't know that they have discovered that he's dead and need to need to masquerade as if he's alive that's the point at which we stopped that's like that's the start of the movie exactly and we were 30 minutes into it or no we were we were 45 minutes into a media a movie that's an hour that's not even an hour and a half right oh wow and uh it's like an 80 minute movie right so we're we're 40 odd 35 40 minutes into it we're like okay we're halfway How long through are the, the credits yeah exactly and to be honest, the credits are long. The opening credits take a while because it's a movie from the 80s and it's like, we are going to en- set the scene. We are going to enjoy learning all who all the producers on this movie are uh, before we get to the part that you, the audience, came to see. Hmm. And um, it's not bad, but I, I can tell you why he was killed. I can't tell you why Jonathan Silverman and uh, what's his name? 
have to uh emilio estevez uh it might as well be it's not but but sure um also was there a weekend at bernie's too there was and um like still bernie still dead yeah i think there's a i think it's a culturally sensitive take on a voodoo um priest who reanimates him and then the same characters have to i don't know a culturally sensitive take mm-hmm. uh, like you know really uh appreciating diverse um religions mm-hmm. by making them a cartoonish uh cause of a dead businessman's reanimation so weekend at bernie's made so much money that they Did said, it? "Hey, let's." Make, well, they made made enough money that yeah, they, we're going to make that, a sequel. Yeah, that it was like, let's keep on riding this gravy train. Yes. Next topic: the Met Gala. <laughs> the Met Gala. That's the topic. Yeah. Um, I am fascinated by the Met Gala. Me too. And it's one of those things that I would think objectively that i wouldn't be fascinated by what what so give me the sort it, but of I, superficial yet i am i don't know why like it's, uh, it's reasoning like, there well because it's oh it's pop culture and it's a little bit but you uh, love pop culture I, or you don't dislike it i don't dislike it but i'll watch the oscar also, i disagree that it's pop i mean it is i guess it is pop culture, it is pop culture. But, but i wouldn't classify it that's not the words i would use to, that's not the first label i would put on it what's the first label you put on it uh it is um like pop new york um social life it is it is like the new york s- social scene yeah it, it, it's not pop culture pop culture i think of as like um the tonight show you know it's like mm. it's different it's yeah. it's one okay, thing where uh if you ask some if you ask my mom what's the met gala there's an even chance she doesn't know what you're talking about you know what i mean okay, okay i got you and I it's like you. and it's because who give, who cares but in here, most of the country i guess i guess there are when you talk about a step and repeat in a red carpet, like yeah. I'm not interested in, I don't look at any red carpet photos or anything like that. I'm not interested in that, but I will look at the entire gallery of the Met Gala. Well, but that's partly because that's the content. That I, is it. You're correct. Correct. But uh, I will, unlike I, every, I mean, but I will more watch, than every other, but I will watch the Oscars, carpet. but I won't, I don't care about the pre-show. I don't watch the red carpet beforehand okay. or anything like that. I don't watch the Emmys generally. Okay. I don't, I generally don't watch the golden globes unless i watch for a few minutes to see the comedians in the beginning mm-hmm. but um i'm not interested in that aspect of celebrity culture and like the who or what and all that but the met gala has become something I'm like oh this is interesting there's an art form to it yes that's what the fact that it's an art form makes me fascinated by it that's right what's fu- what i find in- i find i said this to uh, my wife that i find it interesting in the same way that i find art in general interesting which is that it's all deliberately arbitrary Hmm. There's an arbitrariness to it where it's like, um, I thought that was justice in this country. You you are quite woke. <laughs> and so, you know, the choice, it's fascinating because it's almost like a live action one time version of a, um, like crafting reality show <laughs> where it's like, you know, we're going to have a real time reveal yeah. of all these creative choices that have been made. Well, I guess, so I have seen a few episodes of like Project Runway. Sure. And a couple other reality shows of that kind. And also I, I watch a Project, I'm sorry, RuPaul's Drag Race mm. pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, actually. Because I, you're married to someone who's a little bit, like a little, like a minor fan. Of uh, he's kind a major, of, he's kind he, of likes that kind show. Kind of, kind of mildly. He's uh, obsessed with that show. He's obsessed with that show. Um, and I really enjoy the show actually. Sure. But um, I feel like the, and in, in why I like the show, I don't, there's, there's a good, two-thirds of the show that I could take or leave, mm. but it's really the final, uh, the runway looks um, and the judges' comments because there's always like good quips and like mm. good wordplay and like I really like that part of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and I feel like the Met Gala is essentially the final runway mm. of RuPaul's Drag Race or Project Runway. Right, because it's, or it's, very, it it's very big. Yeah, it's very big, but it's, it's your celebrity. It's people you know who are celebrities doing their version of the final runway yes based based on based on a theme theme or topic and it's once a year and it's like oh how well did yeah these people that i kind of know collaborate make make some choices collaborate with a designer yep and what i what i think is interesting is it is a it is a collaborative act right it's like because everybody there has a goal implicit or explicit right they all have their own personal 
career goals, brand, desire for publicity, and so on. They all want to advance certain narratives about themselves. Uh, they want to they want to be seen as more of this or less of that or whatever they're trying to accomplish, right? Obviously, some you know the the ones some people are really swinging for the fences and they yeah. really they want to be the headline. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are just there and they're happy to be there, but nevertheless, they want to participate in in whatever this theme is, whatever whatever that whatever whatever is going on. And so you, but then, like any any kind of creative project like that is is it's it's interesting where the prompt is the same for everybody, but you see this diversity of responses to it. Right, but I would say this: though, I think the reason why you know we're recording this in the year twenty nineteen, uh, recently after in the Met Gala happened what a week or two within, ago within the last few weeks, yeah. um, and I would say that the Met Gala has only really. I've looked through all the photos and like it's taken on for me its cultural significance just in the past two years and I would say even though I've been aware of it and I've uh, I've been broadly and vaguely aware but I think last year when Rihanna went dressed as the Pope Mm. and that like broke the internet for a few days and like people were just really obsessed with Rihanna dressed as the Pope and it was like really clever very smart very interesting and then this year the theme was camp and people had over-the-top outfits. But I would say the Met Gala 2015, I have no idea. I didn't see it. I'm sure I saw across the transom a couple photos from it, but it mm. wasn't something that I devoured in the right. way that, like, last year I mildly devoured it, and this year I majorly devoured it. So you're, 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 you're pointing out that it has a growing uh, mind share. It, as an N of one reporting on yeah. my own yeah, yeah. The, my just, share, which I think I kind of am a pretty decent stand-in for. I mean, we all think that. Right? Right? Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I know. Um, Thank you. But you're, you, you, you are. I have that on tape. You just said I'm not wrong. <laughs> is, that, is that your new ringtone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, of the, um, would you want to go to the Met Gala? So, uh, kind of, but not like, I, I could take it or leave it. Like, I'm not like, I'm happy to. Let's say somebody you know wanted to take you as their date to the Met Gala. So it's funny you should say this, and like the, I know this wasn't a setup, but uh, because I don't think you, I've to, I haven't told you this, but there's I was going through the New York Times like gallery of photos, and I was like, oh, I know that guy. Oh, huh? And I know that guy. Okay. And the 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 guy I know is uh, the the guy I played flag football with years ago, who's now the. Uh, Speaker of the New York City Council. Okay, uh, his name is Corey Johnson, and he took as and I know him like vaguely. We've been Facebook friends for years, but I don't know him. No, I'm not right. like. But we have a lot of mutual friends in common. I see him at parties. I see him at events, and uh, we say hi, kind of thing. But I don't know him. Know him. But then he took as his date, and I don't think they're. I think they're just friends. I don't know. Maybe they're dating um, a guy that has been to my apartment who's mm. like good friends of Tim's he was he he did the first Bishy event uh, and he won he was the winner of the first Bishy oh, event oh interesting um, and a really lovely guy and uh, he I think he's dated a couple friends of mine casually kind of thing so I know of him and he showed up I saw him I was mm-hmm. like oh Corey makes sense because he's kind of a New York City political figure right and then I was like oh and there's Ken as his like date or friend yeah. and and uh, he had like really great photo like he was oh, showed up at the New York Times and then his outfit was kind of interesting well so he, that's my question is like he's not a big name right he's no, he's well, the date of somebody who who like you said is a New York political right, but figure then, but who's no one has ever heard of but then on Instagram he posted tons of photos on Instagram of his experience yeah including like some screenshots of somebody on some other like including the screenshot of him in the New York Times profile uh, but then somebody else commenting of him in the background of some other famous model okay who wasn't that spectacular yeah and the person commented like some random person said the dude in the back uh, is looking more spectacular than this and it's model him. and it's him oh, that's great and uh, and he was he kind of had this like, so that's my question, though. Yeah. Like, what, what, what was his look? What well, did so, he do? So Corey went just wearing black tie, looked good, you know, looked yeah, tuxedo, but, but just classic. nothing classic. Just and then, did he have any nod to the camp theme, or was I, it literally just a just a tuxedo? I, I think. Uh, well, it, here's the thing: is I don't really remember, which means literally, I think he just has tuxedo. Like sure. it, it was memorably forgettable. Yeah, right. Which know? I think is fine. But it's totally fine. That's, t- he, that's table and stakes. And that's also that's also. You know, he he's a politician in New York. He's trying to. Yeah. He wants to be there, but not make a splash. Too much of a splash is going to come back to haunt him later. You know, all those kind of things, right? right? And what could he all. really pull off? But then his date wore a uh, tuxedo, but then had on top of this tux- like regular black tie tuxedo, 
uh, had like a yellow gown, like a yellow cape almost. Hmm. That was, almost looked like a duvet or like hmm. a, like bedspread like material. There was this like, extra cape on top of it. And it was fabulous. It looked great. It was like, but it could have been something that he sewed together right. from a you know Bed Bath and Beyond uh, duvet cover uh-huh. like for nineteen ninety nine kind of thing, you know. And like, it, it, I, I don't know, a vintage I, Bed Bath and Beyond duvet cover. Vintage, what do you mean vintage? Nineteen ninety nine. No, twenty year old. No, I'm saying like the, the the cost. Oh, it was like a twenty dollar. I, I thought you meant. Oh no, that's funny. They've had in storage for the last twenty years. They bring out <laughs> for like, their couture collection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, and he did some. He did interesting like uh, makeup for his eyes, I think, and things like that. But mm. it was it was it, it was, was more of a look. It wasn't. It was a, a look, and it, it was, wasn't just black tie. And he had a lot of like selfies with him and. You know the other random goers, and especially I think at the after party. Mm. You know that's, but so I don't know if I'd want to go to that though. I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you? I don't like crowds. Well, I don't. I don't sure, but it's I, an it's an experience. It's an like, experience. Yeah, I, um, I, I I struggle to imagine you turning that down. I don't know. Well, this is kind of like how I was just stopped by uh, Billy Eichner for Billy uh, Billy on the street, uh-huh. and I was kind of a jerk on camera and i don't think i didn't mean to be right it was just i was that's it that's the only time that'll ever happen to you what what that that is the impression everybody who ever sees you on that show will ever have that's it it's indelible yeah i know but i didn't mean to be a jerk you probably won't even make the edit i probably won't thank i hopefully (laughs) but he he, i I hope you will i hope you will and i hope they make you look uh very interesting no i don't think so but also i don't i think the only if I make the edit at all, I think it would be for the second line, not the first line. What was the first so line? The first line, he it was, was he was there with the Jonas Brothers. And mm. mind you, I am I have my AirPods in. I'm listening to a podcast. I have sunglasses on and a hat, and I'm running, and I'm late to my workout class. Okay. And it's a crowded street, 23rd Street, and I'm, like, shuffling between people. And then all of a sudden, this person yells at me, stop running, and it's Billy Eichner. And he has a production crew and a film crew behind him. And and then I come upon him, and I'm like, what's happening? It's all so quickly. And he's like, I'm here with the Jonas Brothers. And I look, and I see them, and here are the Jonas Brothers. Have you met one of I, them before? I met, I, I met briefly Nick Jonas at like Why didn't you say, yeah, we have a photo it, together? I didn't think of that okay. until right after it, it all happened so yeah, fast. Of course, no, of course. I, I'm still listening to the podcast in my it. ears while he's asking me this. He's like, he's like, are you excited to see the Jonas Brothers in concert? He's something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. And I said, I'm definitely excited not to see them in concert, which is like a a a, a that's jerk. A, that's a kind jerky, of a weird mo- mean it, thing to say. It's a weird mean thing. To in say. retrospect, you're like, why did I say why that? Why did I say that? Am I trying to be clever? I'm not trying to be clever. I don't know what I. I was caught off guard and like. And there, um, and actually, then look at the Jonas Brothers and like make eye contact, and I'm like, oh, this is like a weird, mean thing to say. Right. But the reality was, I was saying that I was answering the question as if a friend of mine was asking me. And if you would ask me, Brian, are you interested in seeing the Jonas Brothers in concert? I would say I'm definitely excited to not see them in concert because I've become somebody, and we've talked about this on this show. I don't really like concerts that much. I don't go to concerts. I'm not like a. I don't get excited about like there in. And, and I don't like the crowds. There's something about it where I think I used to be a concert goer, and now I'm just a crotchety... You're a curmudgeon. Curmudgeon who, you know, I'm like, ah, you know what? If I'd almost rather... I'd, I'd rather be home that night. Right. You know, I'd rather be home. Right. So that's what you meant. And that probably meant. didn't come through. It didn't come through. Fine. And then, so what's the and next then he one? had a follow-up question, okay. and I couldn't really understand. I was like, yeah. I'm like, hold on a second. And I, to touch my... My AirPod. Oh, so it's still playing. The air because the podcast is still playing. You haven't stopped it. I haven't really stopped because oh my happening. god, this whole thing is happening so fast. And that's while what, John Favreau is talking in your ear, while, while John Favreau and Tommy Vitor are talking in my ear, uh, and and I swear to God, so the, it, and I'm like, wait, hold on a second, can't hear you real quick. I just need to stop my podcast. He's like, and and Billy Eckner said, what are you, what are you listening to? Pod Save America, and he said it like he shouted at me like that, yeah. and then he ran off. Ran off. That's it. it. And that's it. That was the end of my time on camera. The you, whole thing you, happened maybe in 30 seconds. You, I would be shocked if that ends up in the edit. Yeah. But it might. It might. But I, but I also didn't have a chance to answer yes because I was. I mean, I, I feel like he just he just profiled me and looked and he was like, oh, of course, this is a, like a, a like some guy who's some listening, guy who's listening and to Pots of America. And, uh, so you didn't even get a chance to answer. No. Wow! Yeah, what a weird encounter. Yes, that thank like, you. It sounds like you're telling me a dream you had. No, and this I'm happened. Like, I'm like, well, this is barely coherent. And I signed the release. Oh, great! I, I shouldn't have. Maybe. Yeah. Who cares? I, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. 
that people think I'm a jerk that I was mean to the Jonas Brothers you become a you become a meme you become an animated meme that I can then text you in your own text stream oh my god and it's uh and, and it's just you making a face saying, I'm definitely excited not to see them. And it's just that on, on a loop. But I was wearing sunglasses and a hat. So it's uh-huh. like, I don't think it's going to make the edit because of that. Like, I wasn't like... You weren't a guy. I was, I, but uh, the funny thing is, I uh, had... The reason why I'm running to class, I'm late. And I'd gone home quickly to change... And I think I walked Ruby, or maybe I was going to walk her after, I forget what. But I was changing quickly. I didn't bring my gym clothes to the office, and I was trying to get into this class. And I'd just gotten off the wait list. And I, so I had to change quickly. And I, like, and I, I was choosing between two of my workout shirts. One of them is Friend of the Pod. Ah! And I didn't wear that one. I just You're wore another. You're wearing a different one. But if I were wearing Friend of the Pod, that would have... It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better uh, guess, of course, because... yeah. You didn't have that. Right. But but that's even even more like the fact that that's why I was like, I mean, maybe Billy Eichner is like a mind. I mean, he his his craft, his art is very good. Hmm. Like he is very talented at what he does. Yeah. Like it's a it's, it is a skill. And he knew it's like it's improv, obviously, but he knew when to end the scene. That's right. He has a he has a sense of the engagement with the, the random person on the street. And he knew like sense of timing. So yeah. he, he knew when to say like, yeah. all right, next topic. 